there are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can light up your funnels. Let's go. This is Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm Chris Mechanic. Join me as we go deep into the secrets of the world's elite marketing minds. Performance Marketing Insiders is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm super duper excited for today's guest. Unlike many of us who come from the performance side of the house, this is a guest uh, from the communications and more brand side of the house with something really uh, unique and compelling to, to share with us here today. He's been for many, many years at different roles. He was at various really impressive companies up and up leading until now, but currently he's vice president of corporate and brand marketing at Gainsight. Uh, as well as an advisor at Audience Plus, which is a really cool uh, company as well. So I'm excited to speak with him. Uh, Jordan, welcome to the show. Jordan Share. Thanks, Chris. Uh, good to be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. I was uh, I was just uh, looking at your Twitter right before here. I saw you were posting about ChatGPT, this like funny comic, which uh, which we might get into. I've been obsessed with ChatGPT lately. It's like really, really deep down that rabbit hole. Yeah, you can't not be. Uh, I open up Twitter uh, and I tell myself I am going to scroll past every chat GPT best practice, every prompt, you know, notification. Yeah. I end up scrolling to the very bottom of Twitter because yeah. it has just completely taken over the conversation everywhere. Oh my goodness. It's yeah. crazy, man. So yeah, maybe we'll have a little bit of time to talk about that today. But before we do, you know what we're all about here. We're all about those secrets. So I really want to know what's one of your best kept secrets for marketing success. Yeah, man. So I know that your audience is obsessed with uh, performance marketing, right? Uh, yeah. Demonstration and optimizing the sales cycle, optimizing uh, the DG funnel. Um, and I am here to say my hot take is that uh, brand, corporate marketing, and earned media can do a lot to help the performance marketing team achieve its goals. Yeah. Um, I say that in two ways. So I'm going to get tactical and I'll get strategic. Okay, um, this is specifically um, with regard to earned media. So mm -hmm. issuing a press release, getting earned media attention, getting articles written, you know, getting it on blogs, whatever. Um, all of that helps with pipeline acceleration. From a tactical perspective, um, earned media is one of the biggest contributors to search engine optimization available on a website. There's a heavy content marketing piece to it, absolutely. But when you look at the link quality of external sites that link back to your site, one of the biggest contributors of link quality is going to be earned media that links back to Gainsight, for example. Yeah. Um, but also, I think more importantly, what people don't think about or remember is the power of the wires for distribution. So when you put something on the wires, when you issue a press release on the wires, um, you choose a wire service and that wire service uh, will post it on its own internal external wire service, but it will also um, amplify that news to all of the wire services that subscribe to that one wire service. So for example, I put something on business wire. Well, business wire will distribute it to the high-tech media corridor, which is the uh, the list that, that we use. So every magazine publication that subscribes to the high-tech media corridor, and that would include everything from TechCrunch um, to Wall Street Journal to Yahoo Finance 
All of these will amplify that news. All of them do create backlinks back to your site, as well as the wire service itself, which can be a key contributor to organic awareness. So uh, I say that when you are trying to amplify um, your site's SEO metrics, issuing press releases is just a great ongoing long tail strategy. That's the tactical piece. Mm -hmm. Strategically, um, earned media also does a great job in pipeline acceleration. So as we know nowadays, most of your target audience do not take a linear path from awareness to close when it comes to a deal cycle. They move in and out, right? They do a little bit of their own research. They look at review sites. At least this is on the B2B side. Um, they uh, you know, move in and out of uh, uh, conversations with the sales team. They're doing their yeah. due diligence. And yep. so part of that due diligence strategy will be continuing to check on how is your company being perceived in the media? How is your company being perceived in analyst relations? So at any moment in that deal cycle, some of that earned media strategy is going to help amplify your brand and move a deal through the pipeline because it creates credibility. Yeah. So I think that some companies who just look at a press release, issue, issuing a press release as just making some news or making an announcement to be short-sighted. I'll also say that I think using PR for that strategy of just announcing news tends to undercut what you're trying to go for. Um, because the spoiler alert is that the press doesn't read a press release. Yeah, They, they must get 100 press releases a day, the journalists you're trying to target. Mm -hmm. And so when you issue those releases, I would urge the audience to think more in terms of how can this accelerate your performance marketing strategy and what else can it do across all of your tactics to really you know, get some folks into your pipeline and accelerate their journey to the, the, the closing of the deal. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. And I know, so I'm an old school SEO. That's how I got my start as an SEO. And I know, you know, press releases were certainly a staple back then. Uh, they'd since like, like, certainly I think a lot of SEOs are still doing uh, press releases. Uh, but I didn't, well, it hasn't been a core part of my uh, approach. And I think it's just because there was a perception that like the effectiveness had waned over time, mm -hmm. but it sounds like you're hinting at like, maybe there's a strategy to write press releases that are interesting and would actually get picked up. Cause before back in the day, like we would just write a press release, like about anything, like it would be stupid. Like you almost don't even read. It's like you use ChatGPT to write it and like, you don't even yeah. care what it says. Yeah. You just wanted that backlink, but it sounds like, it sounds like, or you are at least hinting. It sounded like, uh, you know, there is a way to potentially get it read and to potentially use that press release to position, to position your brand and yourself. Um, I, yes. So I do think that you should always write a press release with a focus on brand evangelism, for sure. Yeah, um, I do think that using press releases to drive traffic back to core components of your website is still a tried and true strategy. It remains a tried and true strategy. And I also think that um, let's say you have, let's say you're a startup, you're a zero to one startup, and you're trying to make the best use of an investment in content you know, to drive organic awareness to your site and you have enough money to spend on issuing press releases or creating content marketing, I actually think, maybe this is my hot take, that investing in writing press releases that are built for awareness, built for organic SEO, 
is a better strategy in modern search uh, in modern search than specific content marketing. Um, I think that blog traffic, at least to Gainsight, has gone down dramatically. Um, that the use of gated content is gone down, like the the effectiveness of gated content has gone down, and yeah. yet uh, the awareness value of a press release kind of endures. It's kind of hit, you, it has declined over the years, but I do think it's hit a basement where we see a sharp, a, a sharper and steeper decline for some of these other techniques. And so, yeah. if you have a, a small pool of money, you can't invest in everything. Yeah, investing in press releases still remains a great, wide-ranging strategy for awareness. Yeah, and it's not expensive. I mean, I think it's like a couple hundred bucks to post it and then you write it. But um, are there any types of press releases, like in terms of the content of the press release, that you've yeah. to be more effective than other types? Yeah. So best practices of press releases are always, if you can get specific about product news with benefits, that's important. Um, if you can get customer validation, get a customer quote in there, get a quote from a big company as big as you can make it, mm-hmm. get that customer to also evangelize the press release. If they yeah. can use their network, that's great. Mm-hmm. See, that's um, brilliant. See, that's... Yeah. So I like this because I like how you broke it down between strategy and tactics. And I generally love techniques or secrets that have both a strategic and a tactical. I call it layers. Like there's layers to that, Mm. but that is a sexy layer right there. Like if you, let's say that you close a large deal with like a well-known company, putting a press release out about that could have layers because then as somebody is shopping and Googling you, you know, if they see that IBM hired you, for instance, then that that's like validation right there. Great. Yeah, that's perfect. And I would also say, so let's let's assume, let's go back to the IBM example. If you get IBM, they will and they give you marketing approval rights, obviously. Um, I would also ask when you ask for the logo rights and the quote, if they would um be willing to meet with the press at the time of the issuance of the release. Mm-hmm. Um because for two reasons. Number one it is again, great credibility. If that, if something can get published, obviously you want to be aligned with that big customer. But number two, uh, reporters are more likely to do, to create, to write about deals that have closed when there's a customer that can speak to the, the value of your product. Like yeah. That is money in the bank, depending on your, you know, your pitching strategy out to the, the press community, you will have a much higher incidence of getting coverage if you can align yourself with a customer who is willing to speak to the press in your behalf. Totally, totally. And um, if we zoom out just a little bit uh, to look at earned media in general, I fully agree with you. Like, I think it can be a powerful arsenal uh, as a pipe driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and one other a thought that just came up was uh, like from a community aspect. So like I, I know some community managers or community marketers that are just absolutely killing it with some community strategies where like they'll put on dinners or they'll put on events or they'll yeah do interesting stuff. But like, I feel like press releases could be particularly valuable anytime you're doing something interesting like think about a company like Gainsight, like you guys have access to massive amounts of user data, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure you you probably already like publish 
you know, this or that type of study, or you do this, to, this or that type of study, or this or that type of survey, yeah. you can involve customers in that. And then I feel like a press release about that. Like if you put out a survey that was like, Hey, we asked, you know, a thousand customer success leaders, these questions. I'm like, here's this really cool survey. Like that might actually get picked up and like written about on a tech crunch or like on a relevant. It's a, so this is a great point. So you're talking about a broader press, like earn media strategy here. So to answer your question, um, I, I love this conversation. Yes, yeah. we do issue a number of surveys throughout the year. There are both internal examples of this where we reach out to our community of founders or our community of users or our community of um, you know, profession, our professional network, for example. Gainsight runs a huge community um, aligned around customer success. And a lot of times we do survey those audiences for data. Yeah. Um, we also do external stuff, right? Where we'll just hire a third-party research firm. They'll do a survey on our behalf. We'll work with them on the results and we'll publish it into um, a CS index. We um, issue an annual CS index. Yeah. Uh, that is the number one contributor. That CS index is the number one contributor to both uh, pipeline from a content perspective so, you know, we write tons of ebooks, we do a, a lot of other infographics and blogs, whatever, but the CS index is our number one contributor to pipeline mm-hmm. from a perspective. And it is our number one contributor to coverage because we also are trying to elevate the industry. And the fact that we use a third party to administer this, res- this research for us creates credibility in the mind of the press, right? They love yeah. third party research. So we do get a lot of coverage and a lot of value out of that. Um, the way that we, I mean, going back to your original opening, um, the way that Gainsight kind of galvanizes our community to help with, um, you know, overall brand awareness is uh, primarily through these events. And if you're familiar at all with Gainsight, you might be familiar with our conference called Pulse, uh, which is run in San Francisco annually. And there is one in Europe as well. It is the world's largest conference on customer success, and it is purely a community um, activity. Mm-hmm. So we do a, a, a small portion of it is for feature releases, capabilities, updates, you know, things about things that we're thinking about. But mostly, it is to drive community. You mm-hmm. come, you have a good time, you network, you meet other people, um, you meet Nick, uh, our CEO, who is wildly popular popular in the customer success community. But more so, you take part in this overall brand evangelism, yeah, um, it, it, it do, works great for us because it does amplify our brand across the whole CS community. You know, people are incentivized to bring their friends. So even if you're a user of Gainsight, you know, somebody else who would really have a great time at Pulse, you bring them along and it creates this network effect of coverage. Yeah, totally. Um, so I would say that community strategy is probably more powerful for Gainsight than our even our earned media strategy. Sometimes we make the joke internally that um, Gainsight is an events company that sometimes masquerades as a software platform. Yeah, we just we want to we want to get the community get together, man. We want them to have a good time. We want them to understand that we get where they are. We want to see professional development. You know, uh, we want people to uplevel their careers. All of that stuff. Yeah. I'm a champion for the industry that way. Yeah, and that so um I mean that could be considered earned media in a way. I mean, you've built this community and this forum, or that would be more like owned media, I guess. 
Um, I guess it would depend on what media we're talking about, right? Uh, I know at like, Audience Plus, Audience Plus is a big believer in owned media. Um, and in their definition of owned media, it's a lot of online content that is created and distributed and owned by the brand. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about community-based content, um, I think in a classical definition that would be characterized as earned media. You know, we're going out there, we're not paying for it. We're earning it. We're creating, yeah. great, you know, much like a press release, we're creating a great event and we're getting coverage for that event within the community. So I, I do feel like there's some parallels or some proxies between what community marketing is doing and what earned media marketing is doing. Yeah. There's this guy, Will Reynolds. Um, so in, uh, in SEO, we talk about link building, right? Yeah. Like, like getting backlinks. Right. Uh, and there's a saying RCS or real company stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So doing real company stuff, like building a community, evangelizing, you know, having yeah. customer evangelists, doing these cool studies and things for your audiences, like those things naturally uh, will get you backlinks like that. It's a great, like, even if you don't try, I'm sure there's people like you're like, there's tweets going on around around pulse and people are linking to it. like you know it's gonna attract links whether you try to or not yeah um but it it makes the the job of an seo much much easier like when we have a client that's out there doing rcs real company stuff yeah. versus a client that's just like you know not or like they're very small and they um just don't have a lot of those things going on we have to kind of fabricate you know reasons to link to them it's much much harder right so um let me let me ask you a question. Um, philosophically, what do you believe the intersection is between brand and SEO, and which department in a marketing organization would own SEO? That's a tough one. So the first part of that question is an easy one to answer. The intersection between brand and SEO is trust, right? So, um, so you could consider brand almost synonymous with the quantity and quality of backlinks pointing to your website in a way. Um, and that's a very, very heavy ranking signal, obviously for Google. Uh, but specifically what I heard from the grapevine and Google hasn't um, confirmed it or denied it, but I believe that brand search volume, like the number of people that are actually going to Google and searching, you know, for, for gain sites, say by name, yeah. is a core ranking metric behind the scenes. So I yeah. feel like the relationship is intimate, um, but it's hard to assign a single owner because it's the brand team's job to make sure that like real company shit is happening. Yeah. That's like link worthy, but it's the SEO's job to like really capitalize on that from the perspective, you know, from like a more technical perspective of like, how do the links happen and how is the link equity flowing and, yeah. You know, what's our, what's our, what's the anchor text in these backlinks supposed to be like, what terms are we trying to rank for? You know? Yeah. Do you worry so, at all? Um, let me ask you another question. So I was reading recently. So ChatGPT, we can pivot now to ChatGPT. Since I love it. I'll right? accept that pivot all day. Um, they publishers, media companies, owned media organizations, right. In the audience plus kind of nomenclature are fundamentally worried that the chat GPT approach to search will result in a decline to the direct publisher's 
web traffic numbers because it's ostensibly cut out the middleman, right? Instead of uh, I'm searching for the best Thai food in Denver, Colorado, and I get a, a list of you know Thai restaurants, and I click on one of their websites to learn more. I ask ChatGPT, "What is the best Thai food in Denver, Colorado?" And it writes me the answer. And so then I have that answer. I don't need yeah. to go to the website anymore. Exactly. Right? Um, fundamentally, it under that so that undercuts the need for us to generate a bunch of high quality content to drive people back to our site. But at the same time, we can't ignore that. So I wonder from your perspective, how do you feel like that approach to search, this new approach to search should transform how content teams are creating content and thinking about organic traffic back to their site? So I think I love it. You're like interviewing me. This is great. Um, (laughs) It's an interesting question though. But uh what I think is, yes, massive threat to publishers, huge threat to publishers. Um, and it's Google does it all the time, though. Like Google started and they get sued for it all the time, too. Like when you search for flights to this place or that place, you know, it will show you the little Google, the home Google widget sure. where you can like, yeah. you know, it aggregates it. You don't, And it's the same same concept. You're never leaving Google.com. Whereas if that little function or feature didn't exist, then you would be on kayak or Southwest and Google gets sued for that for antitrust. So that same type of thing will happen where yes, people will start consuming, you know, what they came for on that front page and there will be a new form of optimization. So you know how there's like SEO search engine optimization conversion, like there will be a GPT optimization yeah, because GPT's info has to come from somewhere, and you know it's still coming from the publishers. Um, so publishing great content, I think, will be um, important moving forward. But the the it'll be like as as an SEO is reporting, it'll be like, okay, how many GPT interactions do we have? Great, how many like like because right now we just report on click traffic, right? Like once they here's how many clicks we got to our website, but there'll be a whole new dimension of reporting, like what happened on GPT. And those figures are likely to be much higher than what, than the people are actually coming to your site. And so do you think that in this model that you're talking about, uh, I feel like what you've explained is a perfect use case for the importance or the amplification of earned media um, in in this new era. Uh, Because... I do feel like eventually ChatGPT will have to start scoring sources of information and content right right on the internet. And a website, a corporate owned, an owned media asset will have a certain score, but probably a media destination, a publisher will have another score. And the credibility of those media publishers will have a determining effect on that score. And so it will make sense long-term for you to try and up level who is publishing your content totally and where it appears yeah so consequently you're just going to have to pitch harder to get in front of these media publishers that have a very high credibility very high gpt ranking whatever it is to make sure that your answer appears in the way you want it to when people do their search yeah that's true it is true and uh it is it's a crazy time to be an seo right now for sure (laughs) Or to be a company that's invested heavily in SEO. Yeah. Um, and is now, you know, because the promise of SEO was that it would last, like it would be longer term, you know? Right. And it still will be. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. 
but there's coalitions of publishers right now as we speak, like having conversations about like, what the, are we going to do with this? Oh, absolutely. Same with content, the same on the content yeah. side, the same with the press, uh, you know, our, with, with public relations, you even mentioned at the top of this pod about using ChatGPT to write your press release that yeah. completely eliminates one core offering of most public relations teams nowadays. Yeah. And it's interesting, like you can go to ChatGPT and ask, like you can say, hey, like what are 10 companies that, what are the 10 leading companies that do customer success software? Yeah. And it's going to, it's going to give you 10, the names of 10 companies, the way, the, the way it gets those companies, like people are studying that right now. Like how it, like, how do you become mentioned? Absolutely. And, and then uh, you can also like, there's endless numbers of modifiers you could add like 10 customer success companies in the U S or 10, 10 success software companies that, you know, integrate with Salesforce or whatever it is. Um, It will affect the outcome. I I was hearing uh, recently that uh, the best way to affect the results in GPT is this process called grooming, where you give chat GPT a persona to adopt. So in your original search, you would say, you are a high-ranking chief customer officer at a Fortune 500 company. What are the top 10 customer success software platforms to you? Yeah. Right? And then it yeah. would that, that specific list based on that persona. Yeah. Yeah. Like those, those long form prompts. It's like, you're, you're this customer success executive. You're, you know, your task is to select a new software. Like you will find a software that does these functions and features. Like, like you basically, what it is really those long form prompts. And dude, I've been messing with like some super long form prompts and some like multi prompt sequences to get some really interesting stuff I can show you. But, um, but uh, watch, this is going to be an episode about ChatGPT <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> um, just another ChatGPT pod. Um, but the, yeah, the the outputs that you can, I mean, the output varies dramatically. Uh, but a good ChatGPT prompt is basically a brief. Yeah. Right? Exactly. The audience is this. The message we want to get across is that. You know, here's the competitors. Like, it's literally just a brief. Yeah, you're writing a brief for them. Writing a brief. Yeah. Um, Dude, I'm so tempted to just go down the rabbit hole of GPT and start showing you some crazy stuff. But um, I'm, sh- I, I, I'm living in it every day. I'm sure. What are well? That's actually a good transition to your to the current state. And I'm curious to learn more about Gainsight also. But um. Maybe tell me a little bit, like, what are you doing with GPT on, on a daily basis? I'm sure it's built into your products probably by now. Um, we are working to some yeah, we, have a heavy, we have a heavy generative AI component in our roadmap. Yeah. Um, later this year, for sure. What um, are you using it for, like, in your in your day-to-day, like, in your our, workflows? Our team, our team has just a variety of use cases. So I uh, manage the content team, the design team, the video team, uh, the PR team, and our social team. And as you can imagine... GPT can do anything for any of these teams. So one great example, we are a, I would say that we are a video heavy organization. If you spend five minutes with Gainsight, you'll learn how many videos we've done. Um, Just ridiculous videos, you know, videos that have no purpose other than to surprise and delight. 
And so when we think of videos, we can either do the hard work of like locking ourselves in a room and trying to figure out the next great video idea, or I can write into GPT, hey, I want 10 fun video ideas to celebrate the, the first anniversary launch of our new software platform. And yeah. Just generate 10 ideas. Or the content team can take a webinar recording and uh, send the link to GPT and say, hey, can you summarize this webinar in 800 words? And GPT will write the blog summary for the webinar. Or we can give GPT the title of a blog and it can get us started. It won't write the blog out of the box, but I'd say it would get us 60% of the way there. You know? Um, I would, I'm sure that it has fundamental implications for search, but the implications to content and the things that we do on my team are just like once in a lifetime, like transformational. Yeah. Right. So how's your team doing with it? Like, are they, I'm sure some are fully embracing, but do you have some that are like scared that it's going to replace them? We haven't had a frank conversation about it specifically to get, aligned around fears. Um, I am a huge advocate of getting comfortable with it because uh, it's not something I believe you can stop. And I believe that AI, generative AI will not replace people, but generative AI will replace people who resist generative AI, right? Yeah. So the sooner we can get comfortable with it, the better off we're going to be. It's only going to get more powerful. Um. So regardless of how we feel about it, I think it is important for us to become literate, you know, and test yeah. it, test it. Uh, there are, pl- you spend five minutes on Twitter, man. There are plenty of prompts out there that you can play around with to get results from. And so I, I think it's important for us to do. Now, from a gain site perspective, as you can imagine, we do sit on a large amount of customer data. Yeah. You can either comb as a CSM, as a customer success manager, you can either comb through that data yourself and summarize the health of a customer. Uh, You know, you can look at some of our dashboards and try to take a look at the data and summarize those dashboards for your own picture of customer health. Mm -hmm. You can add a generative AI layer on top of it and allow that generative AI layer to start to give you a more nuanced idea of what customer health is all about. Yeah. So yeah. at the end of the day, you know, there is the data and there is like how we perceive the data. And it used to be, I think, a human component that sat in between those two beginning and end points. I think generative AI has inserted itself into that, um, into that process, into that journey where mm-hmm. generative AI can provide humans a nuanced idea of what data is telling them. Yeah. And so that just works across any platform that uses customer data at all, or any job that takes, con- you know, you need to summarize data. Like that's what content does. It summarizes data. Yeah, totally. Well, that's really awesome, man. Um, I'm cognizant of time here, unfortunately, because yeah. we could go deeper down that rabbit hole, but um. I'm curious from a gainsight perspective. I mean, it seems like you guys are kicking ass and taking names. I saw you got an investment from Vista recently, um, which is obviously a big deal. Yeah. Um, what are what are you guys challenged with? Like, what are some of your top challenges keeping you up at night? Oh, you know, whenever you're the leader, 
I think you have all the challenges that come with being a leader. So how do you maintain leadership position? How do you continue to stay relevant? Um, how do you expand your market? You know, Gainsight has been a very strong choice for some of the world's biggest companies when they're looking to build out their customer success approach. You know, how do we extend that same kind of functionality to smaller companies, uh, to startups, you know, companies who recognize the need for customer success, but maybe can't afford it or don't feel like they can afford it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's one of our challenges. And then trying to go down market basically. Yeah. I think going down market is a place that we feel is like a rich opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, continuing to listen to our customers and providing them the benefits that they need as times change. Mm-hmm. You know, stay innovative. Um, it's easy to get complacent when you're a leader. And so we fight that every day. Mm-hmm. I see. So what types of things do you do to fight that or to um or to otherwise like penetrate new markets? Um, I would say that I think the consensus within Gainsight is that the answer lies within our customers. And one of our unique values um, is our CEO, Nick Meta, wildly popular, um, but also wildly popular within our customer segments. So Mm -hmm. he spends so much time, an inordinate amount of time, talking to customers, learning from them, understanding where they're going, understanding their concerns, from a personal qualitative perspective. And then he takes that and translates it into the roadmap for us. This is what I'm hearing from these customers. I had, I mean, he must have 25 customer conversations a week. He never says no. So he gets on the phone 25 times a week, talks with different customers, comes back, tells us what he's heard. Um, I have never found another leader to be that uh, connected to the customer base. And I think that that is a value proposition that we we try to leverage as much as we can. That's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. That's rare. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. This is like a weird, nerdy, detailed question, but uh, in what forum does he communicate that? Like, does he write a memo about it and distribute it? Do you, does he call a leadership team meeting and talk about it? Yeah, is it a normal it. segment in the leadership team meeting? All of it. Um, he will write a <laughs> like easy machine. Uh, he will write a daily diary of inter- every interaction he's had on the phone that day. And he posted on Slack. He said, this is what I've been talking about. He hosts several meetings a week where he just downloads what he's heard. Um, he writes a weekly newsletter that comes out on Sundays about all the things he did last week, all the things he's thinking about next week. The level of communication transparency is just another, it's on another planet. Really? I, yeah. And I think it, I think that's it. That's one of the secrets. And I, I would urge leaders to think that way. You know, like whatever's in your head as a leader, you've got to get out to the company. And it takes a lot of work to do yeah. that. And he's a guy that puts in that work. I do the most horrible job of that. And, and I'm like cognizant of it. But that was really useful for me because like what you just described is the definition of overcommunicating. Oh, yeah. That is a principle. At gainsight. So I need I need to like overcorrect in that category personally. Yeah. And it's like I say, so sometimes like I feel like I may be emailing people a bunch of stuff that they already know. But then the next the next question to answer is like, so what? So what you're telling a bunch of people is stuff that they already know. It's still good to communicate it out. 
right? Yeah. It's still good to stay on message. It's still good to have that. Like that's the principle of brand communication, right? Staying on message, repeating the same message over and over again, making sure that everybody's clear, everybody knows. I mean, that's what Nick does. He creates a brand internally with game sites all aligned. That's so cool. Is he the founder? He's not the founder, okay. but he's been CEO for uh, a little over 10 years. Interesting. I bet you he's super happy about ChatGPT. He could just feed all of his notes into it and be like, summarize this or like, make me like write my newsletter this week. Well, he cares about it in as much as our customers care about it. But uh, yeah, he is unique. I think if you talk to anybody else in the Valley, they would all say, they would all know him and they would all say that he's unique. Cool. And, yeah. Yeah. And so the newsletter, he sends it out or both the Slack and the newsletter is company-wide, everybody, or just to uh, certain groups? Company-wide. Company-wide. Dude, I got to start doing that. 1,500 people get it every week, every day. Oh my God. That's... He, gives you, he gives you the steps uh, he has taken that day. He'll count his steps and he will say, this is how many steps I walked today. Like, what? yeah, you just know, and you get to know Nick. You know, like, I feel like everybody at the company feels like they know Nick. He's accessible. They know what's on his mind. We're all aligned. It's incredible. Dude, that is incredible and inspiring. Yeah. And yeah, so that's fucking brilliant. Excuse my language. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, hey, we could keep going here. Um, I want to be cognizant of your time. Yeah. Let's do a lightning round. Let's do it. I love it. All right. Here we go. So top three questions. Question number one, if you were to start a side hustle, what side hustle would that be? Oh, man. Um, yeah. So uh, so one of my interesting passions on the side is riding bikes. And I have raced on bike teams and I have managed a bike team. And so I feel like if I started a side hustle, I would really want to start another like we got funding, we had a team cars, the whole thing. I would want to do that again. I would want to start another bike team and race bikes on the side. Nice. That's a good one. I've that that is probably one of the higher ranking answers I've heard. <laughs> cool. Question number two. Top three most influential reads or authors or influencers. Yeah. Made a big impact for you. Totally. So um, I'm a really big fan of social sciences. I think social sciences influences brand in a lot of ways. So a couple of things that I've read recently that are really, well, one thing that I've read really uh, recently that's interesting to me is a guy uh, by the name of Chuck Klosterman, who's a great social scientist. He wrote an entire um, review of the 90s um, in terms of social science. And he went through like, and he makes everything super accessible. So like, here's the social science behind Stone Temple Pilots and when they became popular. And here's the um, Rage Against the Machine and all these movies and sports and everything. Um, and it was fascinating. Oh, that's cool. It was yeah, great. That's really, cool. Um, really taps into, I think, human behavior for me. That's really interesting. Um, I'm also uh, really interested in movie marketing. Uh, we didn't go into my background very much, but I started out at uh, Miramax Films back in the day. And I worked on Shakespeare in Love when it beat Saving Private Ryan for the Best Picture Oscar, which it should not have done, but it did. And it's a testament to movie marketing. And uh, there was a book that recently came out about it um, called, uh, it's called Oscar. Uh, it's the guy that his name is Michael Shulman and uh, it's Oscar Wars, Oscar Wars. And uh, I think like Miramax for all their faults, they ran incredible movie campaigns for the Oscars. And I think we could all take a lesson from how they did it and how they wanted it. And it's all detailed out in this book. 
I love the book, Oscar Wars. Um, and then finally, I am also uh, really interested in the media industry at large. I think how media is run is a really interesting place of departure. It's why I feel like Audience Plus has got so much promise um, if you dig into that business. Um, but there's a great podcast about it called The Town. Um, a guy by the name of Matt Bellany um, really digs into how these huge media brands are run, um, unoperated, how they traffic and broker content, what the future of content is. It's good stuff. That's really cool. Yeah, I will definitely check that out. And I love your like, because you're kind of a performance person at heart, it sounds like, but you come with this brand and and comms twist. Um, so like those those would be good good things to add to my my reading list, I think, just for for some new perspective. For sure. So finally, how do you avoid burnout and also make sure your team doesn't get burned out? Um, yeah, so I think that there needs to be a lot of celebration of wins across the team, a lot of celebration of contributions. Um, you know, I couldn't do it without my team at all. Um, and so I do two things for my team. Number one, I want to make sure that they know that I recognize the work that they put in every day. Um, number two, I feel it is my job to get things out of their way so that they can do a great job. So I operate in service of them in a lot of ways. How can I make their lives easier? Um, and then I do really evangelize work-life balance, just incredible. It's always been really important for me. I think it's important now more than ever, um, especially at Gainsight. And so whatever you can do to achieve work-life balance, we have rules specifically at Gainsight about emailing on the weekends. You know, everybody gets a free day off uh, every month where the entire office is closed. So you can take time off and not get crushed by your email when you get back. Um, we have focus Mondays where you can't hold meetings on Mondays at Gainsight. So everybody can take the time to do their work. I believe in that kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah. I like that too. Well, that is a wrap folks. This was an awesome episode, Jordan. If you learned something or you had a laugh today, uh, share this with a friend and, uh, spread the good word, but Jordan, for everybody listening, if they want to learn more about you or Gainsight or audience plus, like how, where, where would you direct them? Yeah, um, I would. Uh, so check out my Twitter for sure. I, uh, I am on there now and again. Um, I would check out our CEO, Nick Meta on LinkedIn and Twitter. He posts, as you can imagine, three, four times a day, keeping everybody informed. Um, and then look us up on Gainsight.com. Love it. All right, Jordan, we'll stay on the line just one second and we'll wrap. And for everybody listening, thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Chris. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at performancemarketinginsiders.com. This podcast is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the performance agency that makes you smarter, offering AI-driven search, paid social, analytics, and conversion rate optimization for financial services, health, B2B, and SaaS brands that know. Hey guys, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, you can get a performance marketing assessment for free. And this isn't some cookie cutter automated report. It lays out detailed, specific things you can do right now to unlock limitless growth and nirvana level personal satisfaction. To claim your free assessment, just go to performancemarketinginsiders.com slash audit and you'll have your customer report within just a few days. 